following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. All right, we are back. I am Ryan Kalpin, and this is The Fadeaway. This is a Basketball Society podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'm, I'm ready and, and, and excited for today's show. We're going to talk all about free agency, everybody that has signed, everybody that's still on the big board, who are the winners, who are the losers, what to expect moving forward, Kawhi Leonard trade, how the Sixers have done, all that and more on this episode of The Fadeaway. We have a special guest, Jeff Weissman, joining me in a little bit, lead writer over at Holyfield. We're happy to have him on. Um, like I said, if you want to get on, reach out to me. Uh, you can email me. You can follow me along at Podcast uh, Fadeaway on Twitter. Follow along at B-Ball Society. You know, we're moving and grooving here, and, we're, you know, it's exciting times, um, and, and we're really, you know, like I said, it, it's a good part. Summer League has just started as well. You know, some of these guys are getting drafted or getting their first looks uh, at NBA talent. So, you know, that's always exciting, and, and it's, uh, it's a good time to be a basketball fan um, right now, and I'm itching for it to, to, to get back um, and, and, you know, kind of get back into the groove and, and watching, uh, you know, these new teams as they are being built. Um, but, yeah, this is your first time tuning in. You know, this is, like I said, part of Basketball Society. I hope you enjoy. Uh, I'm going to go right to Jeff now, and we're going to dive right into it. So, uh, like I said, Jeff Weissman, uh, lead writer at Holyfield. We're happy to have him on. All right, here we go. I am welcomed today uh, by lead writer for Holyfield uh, website, Jeff Weissman. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the fadeaway. Yeah, no problem, man. Glad to be here. Awesome. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, the fadeaway going up every Friday morning. We're happy to have Jeff here. Uh, he's one of the you know kind of the members that follow along on social and and, and came across our uh, our signups and, and and jumped right on. And, and like I said, we're happy to have him. And, and obviously, there's a lot to talk about, huh? It's been a crazy week since uh, since the last time I've been able to record last week. And man, it's hard to wrap your our, my head around it. How are you feeling after you know? Obviously, free agency has started, and and a lot has happened over the past you know five or six days. I didn't think it was possible to have an off season crazier than last year. Like I came into this year thinking, okay, LeBron might switch teams, but that's about it. You know, nothing else is really going to shift or move or go insane. But, man, like, it doesn't even feel like that. these guys have switched teams yet. Half of them haven't. You know, Kawhi demanding a trade, Paul George deciding to stay. All these things that we thought we knew are just completely not true anymore. And it feels like you're just on your heels no matter what when you're trying to follow all this stuff. I know. It's... It was it was interesting. I was talking to a few buddies, and we were like, I, you know, I don't even you know go to sleep, and you wake up, and there's going to be so many different people that are going to be on different teams, and just to go through, and obviously we're going to touch on a lot of these in detail, but just to go through our you know my free agent tracker that I've been you know kind of holding on to here. Obviously, LeBron James signs a four year deal with LA. You know, he's heading out west, and and to me. The entire LeBron sweepstakes was was a very big question mark. You know, I didn't know, you know, at, at times I was like, oh, he's going to Philly. It makes sense. As a Sixers fan, I was excited. Um, you know, it was something I was like, it, it just, it all it all comes together. And then I was like, I, you know, maybe he's going to resign and just finish the rest of his career there. And then I was like, well, L.A. makes sense for other reasons outside of basketball. Taking a look at the decision, to me, 
it seems pretty clear and pretty obvious that he made this decision based on family first, basketball second. There's nothing else in my mind that he thinks he has to prove. You're either going to believe he's better than Michael Jordan or you're either going to believe he's the second best player to ever play the game. How do you think, you know, what, are your, what, do, what was your thought process seeing, you know, him go to L.A. for four years? I don't, I don't know if it was – well, I guess it is technically family first, but I think at this point – He's looking at his career, and he wants to just last until his son is in the league. And he wants to keep playing as long as he possibly can. And playing for the Cavaliers on that type of basketball team, that just was not going to happen. Now, in L.A., they already have Lonzo Ball. And he talked to Magic Johnson, and he said, I want as many primary ball handlers on this team as humanly possible because I want to sit in the corner on offense sometimes and just not have to put up 39-9 and nine in order for my team to even think about winning the game. Mm. And that's what's happened. Um, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, you know, the wife and kids want to live in Beverly Hills type deal because you can still do that six months out of the year in the, when you're in the NBA. I think it was really just him trying to prolong his career. So kind of a mix of basketball and, and family reasons. There. I think, you know, to, obviously to prolong his career, but for me – no matter where he went, unless for some reason he stayed in Cleveland, if he went to Philly, I think his career was still prolonged. If he went to Boston, I think his career was still prolonged. Houston, same thing. You know, I, I, I just feel as though anywhere outside of Cleveland, a lot of those problems that he was facing in terms of minutes um, and just, you know, having to play 46, 47 minutes, 48 minutes in the playoffs, um, I think a lot of that, you know, would have been alleviated no matter where he went. For me, it was just surprising you know, he goes to L.A., obviously they have a good young core, not the best young core in the league, in my opinion. They have good guys and solid guys around them, but Paul George doesn't re-sign him, which we'll talk about, or doesn't sign with the Lakers. He re-signs with the Thunder. We don't know. Kawhi Leonard's a huge question mark. Do you think that he signed with L.A. believing that he has to get another star? Because obviously he's not. they're not better than the Warriors, and they're definitely not better with the, within the Warriors after a Boogie Cousins signing, which we'll, we'll get into as well. How do you feel, you know, do you think he's pushing Magic Johnson in the front office to get some guys that he needs to, to be able to compete in the Western Conference? I don't think so. I think when he came back to Cleveland um, the second time through, I think he's looked back at that and seen some of the mistakes he made, you know, pushing that team to contend right away. When he wrote his letter, or, you know, the Lee Jenkins article, um, he said, you know, we're going to take our time. I don't expect to win this year, blah, blah, blah. And then with, within three months, they traded for a superstar and traded away pretty much every young guy on the team. Um, I think this time around, he's not necessarily thinking long-term as in six, seven seasons like he might have been in Cleveland at first. But I do think he's thinking, yeah, you know, let's not make the mistake that Knicks did with Carmelo. Let's just let this Kawhi situation play out. There are so many free agents coming next season. I'm fine just taking 50 wins in the second round this year. You know, best case, injuries happen. We luck into a superstar. You know, Ingram or Lonzo breaks out, and we're in the finals anyway. But I think he's perfectly okay just kind of cruising along, 50 to 55 wins, second round of the playoffs, let the young guys develop, see if any of them turn into a star on their own, and then go out and be a contender in that offseason and try to get Clay Thompson or KD or any of the other guys uh you know, Kawhi, any of the other long list of free agents we have upcoming. I, again, no real way to know what's going on in his head, but that's kind of the sense I've gotten from the way things have played out so far. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously he's the best player in the game, and he's going to make them a playoff team straight away. Um, and, and as we already discussed, he's not going to have to play as many minutes. He's going to be able to help develop guys like Lonzo and Ingram and Josh Hart. Um, for me, I just it, it, you're going. You, he's le leaving the East, in which he's guaranteed a Finals berth, in my opinion, pretty much every season if he would have went anywhere else in the East. To go to the West, which is obviously a tougher conference and has only gotten tougher in this off season for him. And you know, Father Time's undefeated. I know LeBron James is, is LeBron James, right? And he's been amazing. I mean, he, he literally has had uh, an incredible 15th year in the in the league at age 33, playing you know, what could be argued as one of the top three seasons of his career. But at some point, it's got to catch up to him. And, and you just wonder that, you know, obviously four years with the fourth year being a player option, you know, I think he's going to be okay and, and they're going to be a very solid team. But I just don't think that there's enough around him right now for him to compete for a championship. And like you mentioned, that might be fine for him. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that you're either going to believe somebody that's 3-5 and five in the finals is better than Michael Jordan or you're going to believe that because Mike is 6-0, and will never be better than Michael Jordan. I mean, it's really, I don't know where you fall on that spectrum. It's not a conversation that needs to be overdone because everybody loves to have it, and I don't think it's a fair conversation. But to me, maybe he just doesn't have anything left that he needs to prove. He got one in Cleveland. He got a few in Miami. You know, he took one home, and, and he was able to defeat the Warriors. He's, he's kind of done, you know, what he could do to, to overtake Michael if you believe that way. And you know what? The Lakers have a lot of wild card guys. You never know what Rondo and Lance are going to do in a playoff series because, I mean, those are – well, at least Rondo has single-handedly carried his team to big playoff series wins, and Lance has carried playoff teams to victories. And then you have this Lonzo Ball wild card where we all see the potential that he probably has. It's tough with that jumper to really get a feel for it. Mm -hmm. Um this could be a team that wins 46 games in the regular season, yet stumbles its way into a 3-2 series against the Warriors, just because you never know when Rondo's going to break out that 20-20-20 ridiculous, absurd playoff game, or Lance gets Draymond thrown out of a game, yeah. or, you know, Steph Curry's had injury problems. Like, they're, they're kind of, no matter what happens, they're going to be in that conversation anyway. That's why I think he's just perfectly happy with with waiting for right now, worst case scenario, the team stumbles into the playoffs, loses, and then is in free agency with $40 million to spend anyway. Yeah, I guess either way you look at it, you know, he it, for me it's going to be weird to see him in uh, Laker gold, but, you know, it, it's something that we'll all look forward to. Got to stay up a little bit later now as a lot of the, the primetime West Coast games will be tipping off till 10, 10, 15, but uh, definitely be something to watch for. Mm -hmm. The next, um, the next really on my tracker, like I mentioned, the next, Four names all re-signed. Kevin Durant re-signs, uh, you know, for a one in uh, a two-year deal, sixty-two million. Paul George, which was surprising to me, re-signs with the Thunder for a four-year, one hundred and thirty-seven million-dollar deal. Uh, Jokic re-signs in Denver, five-year, one hundred forty-eight million-dollar deal. Such a and Paul re-sign. Chris Paul re-signs with the Rockets, four years, one hundred and sixty million dollars. A lot of money between those four guys. What do you take away from, from those signings, or those re-signings, I should say? I hate those last two signings. And I've, I'm a known Jokic hater. <laughs> not, not hater. I don't think you can build a winner around a center who's that incompetent defensively. And I just don't see where he can improve on defense. Um, as for the Chris Paul signing, I'm also nowhere near as high on Chris Paul as some people are. I 
respect the way he plays the game and respect his stats, but I feel like his worth is a little inflated by a lot of people. And no matter what you say to me, you can call him the greatest point guard ever. 37-year-old Chris Paul is not worth $40 million. Oh, yeah, that back in that contract is going to be terrible. You just that, – that contract guarantees that the Rockets will not be a contender in three or four years. You're locking yourselves into a window with the greatest team ever in this Warriors team. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is just awful, awful decision-making. But at the same time, you don't know what's going to happen. You never know if your guy, Harden, goes down the road like Brendan Roy or even Kawhi Leonard – you know, all these the drama, injuries, whatever. And if you have the opportunity in front of you, I can see why you feel the need to go after it. I just, I think it's so short-sighted to, to sign that contract. I I was saying that Paul George was going to stay in OKC. I actually really like that contract. I like that deal. Um, I can see why people were surprised, but the LA stuff really kind of died down to me after the OKC trade. But isn't like, it the after, same thing, like locking him into a window with the, one of the greatest teams? Like they, they. But Paul George will only be thirty-two at the end of that contract. True. True. He's going to be the same player, barring a, a dramatic injury, right? For the entirety of that deal, Chris Paul is not going to be. There's only one or two point guards ever that were genuinely successful as star players after the age of like 34, 35. And that's Steve Nash, who Chris Paul really doesn't have much in common with offensively. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Stockton, who, yes, there are similarities there, but there are also plenty of differences. The biggest one being the 20 to 30 year gap between when they played. I just don't see how that contract's going to be anywhere near workable toward the end of that deal. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I guess I agree. I guess I'm looking. Uh, you're looking at it from a player standpoint, and I 100% think that the back end of that contract is really bad for the Rockets. Great for Chris Paul. I think that obviously the 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 deal that Paul George signed makes a lot of sense for him. You know, he's getting a lot of money, and like you said, he will still be in somewhat of the prime or top of, of, of his career. But for the Thunder, you've reassembled. Obviously, you can't fault Melo for opting in. You know, he's obviously not worth that money. But if he can get it, go get it. Um, but they have now assembled the exact same team. You know, they've added a few pieces, uh, granted, but definitely nowhere near uh, enough to, to be able to contend for any type of even conference finals berth, in my opinion, because it just didn't seem to work last year. I don't know if a year under their belt will help them. I don't know if uh, an attitude adjustment, for, uh, you know, in, in terms of Melo coming off the bench or whatever it may be might help them. But they, I, I hold firm to that. the fact as great as Russell Westbrook is as a player and a specimen uh, athletically to the game of basketball, I don't think you can ever win with a guy like that. I just think that his mentality is, is, is just something that is very difficult to win with. I think that Kevin Durant ran into it. Maybe Kevin could have won. You know, obviously he got a lot of shit for, for taking the move to, to Golden State. But I, I really hold firm, truly, that he is an MVP caliber player but he's never going to win you a championship because sometimes it's very difficult to play with him. He doesn't have strong IQ at the end of the games. He really takes some bad shots. He turns the ball over a lot. But like I said, you're getting 40 points out of him. You're getting a triple-double, so he's a, he's a fantastic player by himself. I just don't see them three being able to put up any type of you know, urgency to, to even you know, kind of press the Warriors or the Lakers or the Rockets. 
See, I wrote an article a couple years ago before Paul George, before Melo. It was right after the KD signing um, in Golden State. And it was a huge article, and the whole thing was about comparing Russell Westbrook and this team to the Iverson Sixers of the early 2000s mm-hmm. and all the crazy number of similarities that there were. And last year, for a little while, before Roberson went down, they were a lot like that Sixers team. They had old Mello, who, while statistically pretty terrible, still could come in and get buckets with the bench. Mm-hmm. And they had Paul George, who was better than anyone else in that Sixers roster. Steven Adams is a baller. They had one of the best defenses in the league before Roberson went down for like a three- or four-week period. I can see that team causing problems. There are not many defensive stalwarts out in the West. There just aren't. I mean, yeah, you have the Warriors who can sometimes flip that switch defensively. They're not as good as they have been in the past. And I don't think that's, you know, Draymond's not, or not Draymond. Boogie's not going to improve their defense. He might not make it a ton worse, but it's going to go down even more. I think that you, if they can grind out, they have the perfect defensive matchups all around. They could, they could grind against a Warriors team, and with an injury, I think they could they could kind of grind their way into the finals. I, I really do. I think that team came out this year. They struggled obviously with chemistry. We don't know what's going to happen with Melo, but when you get that kind of production out of one player, you can do so many awesome things defensively, especially with the talent they have, and that's an underappreciated aspect of the NBA today. And I think they can really cause some problems in the playoffs. But see, for me, I think in today's NBA, defense is not gonna. You're not gonna beat the Warriors by playing defense because they are gonna put up points no matter what. You could put the best defensive team of all time, assemble whoever you want, and put them up against his Golden State Warriors team, and they're still gonna find ways to beat you offensively just because they're that talented. And I think that they're a great group of players. I know you know Carmelo Anthony's a Hall of Famer, Paul George, Russell Westbrook on their way. But together they just don't work, and I think it does start and in, in, in finish with Carmelo Anthony being a big problem. Having probably needs to take some responsibility and, and come off the bench. I know he said he doesn't want to do it, but he cannot be the ISO-type guy that he used to be. It just doesn't work. It, it, it disrupts the flow of offense so much. You need to be able to get out, get out and run in transition with Russell Westbrook. And if, if he can't do that and if he's throwing it into the post and ISOing Carmelo Anthony for 15 to 20 seconds on the shot clock, they just won't be able to be successful. I know Roberson's a fantastic defensive player, as well as Adams. I know Paul George is up, you know, league leaders in steals, you know, almost every single year. So I get it. I do understand where you're coming from. But for me, I just feel as though the offense of the Golden State Warriors and, and really just in today's NBA in general, the Houston Rockets as well, um, you know, breaking offensive records on a, on a yearly basis now is just a team that I just can't see them really making too much noise. I just, I mean, I don't think you can judge a team that if we're doing the whole equivalent thing, lost its to Ken Mutombo last year with Roberson. Roberson is such a huge part of how that team matches up with all those top teams in the West. Because Westbrook, pretty horrible defender at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. But in that Iverson role, where you have him roaming around for steals and matched up on the worst shooter of the team, he does a fantastic job in that specific role. And with Roberson and George on the floor, he was able to do that. Because Melo, definitely not a good defender. But 
he's versatile in his he's versatile in his assness on that end, where he's equally terrible against a three, a four, or a five. So you can hide him no problem. That's okay. one of the best parts about Melo. Like he's not going to lock anyone up, but he's also not going to get absolutely roasted by any of those positions. And then you have two of the best defenders in the league, uh, Roberson and George. Steven Adams is one of the best center defenders in the league. And then you have Westbrook, who's a crazy athlete, will block some shots, will rack up tons of steals. That is a recipe for chaos. And the teams that the Warriors have consistently struggled against, like the Bucks, like the Sixers from a few years ago, you know, the tanking Sixers that almost beat them a few times, they're all these young, athletic, long, just crazy teams that just get out and run. And there's no reason why the Thunder couldn't be that with Roberson. That's kind of my theory for why they'll, they might be able. I'm not saying they will do it. I'm not even saying it's likely, but right. the, potential the Thunder, they have that capability. Okay. All right. Well, I, I mean, I guess I see where you come from, and I, and I do agree with certain parts of it just for me. You know, and, and it goes right into the next guy on the tracker here is the Warriors also now just signed DeMarcus Cousins. I understand he's coming off an Achilles injury. He only signed a one-year $5.3 million deal. He understands that a lot, a lot of teams want to take a flyer on him. He's had some issues with his, um, you know, with his kind of attitude in the past as well. But, my God, now the Warriors, if he's healthy, can play in January, February, whatever it may be. This makes him that much more dangerous. And I fault the rest of the NBA for not making a move on, on Cousins. Because you never know. Maybe he didn't want to go to Golden State. But apparently I was hearing things that that was one of his only few options. I don't know. He, I don't think people realize how horrible an Achilles tear is because as a Sixer fan, you said you're a Sixer fan too. Yep. Um, we went through pretty much an identical, identical situation 10 years ago with Elton Brand. Everything happened the same. Literally, the numbers are almost identical. Elton Brand, the year, I think it was like a year and a half before he tore his Achilles, was 24-11-4 or 25-11-3. Which are those are Boogie's numbers? Like those are almost identical. And then he tore his Achilles, and you know what he put up? Thirteen and eight. He was nowhere near the same player in Philadelphia. The ages were identical. Team situations pretty similar. It's I don't know. But either I, you way, don't know what you're going to get out of Demarcus Cousins there. But either way, you're turning Javale McGee into Demarcus Cousins. But I'm Javale McGee probably. was the perfect prototype center for that team. He would catch lobs. He would block shots. He would rebound. And then he would stay out of the way on offense. And you know who doesn't do a single one of those things? A hampered DeMarcus Cousins. If his Achilles is problematic, he's not going up and catching lobs. He's never blocked shots. He racks up rebounds, but he doesn't necessarily do it in a way that helps the team's rebounding percentage, as we've seen throughout his career. And he's a bit of a mellow type on offense where he, he really kind of demands the ball. Now you don't know whether that's going to happen in golden state, but there are many, many, not even worst case scenarios, but just like kind of average situations where he's just a complete negative for that team. I hope it doesn't happen. I love DeMarcus cousins. I think he's a fantastic player and I, I root for him all the time. I'm an old Kings fan. Um, after the Sixers kind of fell off, I was always rooting for the Kings. Bad teams got to unite. Um, but there's, there's a lot of downside. There's a reason why he ended up signing a $5 million deal. Teams looked at him and thought, you know, there's a lot of ways this could go wrong. 
I just still think that for $5 million, it's a great flyer to take for Golden State. Listen, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a great flyer, but it's a flyer with some risk. Yeah, obviously. But with, with the risk of $5 million, it doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, they're, they're not going to jeopardize anything that they have going on. They will you know, sit his ass on the bench, whether he likes it or not, and they'll plug in Looney or they'll plug in you know, somebody else that they can or put Draymond at the five. But I think for, for $5 million, obviously Achilles is a terrible injury. You know, I, I didn't know that about the Elton brand. I mean, that's that's crazy. The numbers are that close. But, I, you know, I get it. You've seen it before. And, and it's a tough injury to come back from, especially at 27, DeMarcus Cousins. You know, it isn't the easiest as a big man to come back from. But he was he was a beast before he got injured. I mean, he was an absolute – just he was on a tear. And it was a shame to see because I also like him. I think he's had some tough times, obviously, in Sacramento. And then they finally get to the playoffs where he couldn't – couldn't partake, but I think it's a great flyer for, for the Warriors. And I also think, I guess it's what Cousins needed to do. He's going to have to go out there and prove himself. It's a big year if he wants to get oh, that. Oh, for Cousins, yeah, there's no way that he could turn that down because yeah. it's the only team in the league that would really let him take his time coming back. Yeah, because they don't absolutely need him to be perennial all-star mm-hmm. Cousins. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it's a big year for him. He knows that he's, he's obviously going to want to be paid after this year, so you know, hopefully he bounces back, and if he does – I think he could, it could just make the Warriors, you know, almost untouchable. Um, another big center, uh, a little bit, 29 years old, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, the weird situation with Dallas and, and Mark Cuban in the past. Now um, back, and he is signing a one-year, $24 million deal with Dallas. He is, and that I, I kind of sneaky like that Dallas lot. I'm not sure they make the playoffs, but. Hurting Seth, or losing Seth Curry really hurts the way that team is coming together. I'm not sure how they're going to look next year in terms of starting lineup. You know, they have Doncic and DSJ in that starting lineup. you got to assume Harrison Barnes is out there. I don't know whether Dirk starts, um, but they could be – I mean, they're going to be a lead pass killer all year. That team is going to be very fun to watch whether Doncic is good or not. I don't know how they end up doing, but I think I think DeAndre Jordan is gonna is gonna kill it there. He's gonna rack up. So he's he's super Brendan Wright. If you remember the numbers that Brendan Wright used to put up um, under Rick Carlisle in Dallas, his per thirty six numbers and his PER were always like top three in the league, top five in the league. Mm-hmm. So it's hilarious. You know, you'd see like LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Kobe Bryant, Brendan Wright, <laughs> and then I don't know Kevin Durant. Yeah, that is that is strange to see him up there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I can see that from him as well. They're a young team. Obviously, Dirk, this is his last year, I believe, they said. So he might be playing a lot of, you know, kind of just being a mentor to, to Doncic and, uh, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., as you mentioned. So I think, you know, maybe, you know, he, his role is going to severely drop off. And I think he's okay with that. He's obviously taken a big pay cut over the past two years as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows he knows that Cuban's going to find a way to feed him money for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cuban it's has the luxury. Point, to do. Yeah, it's beyond the handshake agreement. Like that's just like a blood oath that's yep. been made. Yeah, he gave he gave a lot to that franchise. One of the one of the the, the few guys across any sporting you know kind of leagues to, to be able to play twenty years with, with one with one franchise. Uh, the Kobe Bryant's, Derek Jeter's of the world. So definitely a feat that that Cuban will be indebted to him forever. I'm so happy Dirk got his ring. I know. That 2011 playoffs was absolutely magical between the Brendan Roy game and just seeing and having the Heat be the perfect villain, you know, wearing black and red, 
everyone hated them and seeing them get toppled by this giant Durban goofy <laughs> looking dude. It was uh, that was peak NBA for me. That it was, was absolutely. That's watch. how I felt when the Spurs were about to win, um, and then Ray Allen hit that <laughs> corner shot. I was like, "Oh, this is peak. This is great." And then it just went down because it was just. It was hard to watch. <laughs> um, some of the other guys on here, you know, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about the draft. We're trying to get you know, those are some big names. Aaron Gordon re-signs the Magic for $84 million. J.J. Redick re-signs with the Sixers for 12 to 13. But the Sixers do let Urson and Bellinelli walk. Obviously, as both Sixers fans, you know, obviously wanted to touch on that. They get J.J. back. He does take a 9 to $10 million pay cut. But they do let Bellinelli and Urson uh, walk away. Bellinelli re-signs with the Spurs. And uh, Ursan with the Bucks. How do you feel about the moves Sixers have made so far in the offseason? Well, I think Ersan had to go. Especially, you know, Sixers were not going to pay him three years, $21 million. Yeah, that was never, never in the cards. But even then, with Jonah Bolden coming over and with Rashawn Holmes already here, um, there's another big man in the mix. I mean, Amir Johnson re-signed. Resigned. They just signed the Timberwolves. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nemanja Bialica, yep, who I really like. Signed. I think he's a fantastic player who Tibbs just could not figure out mentally. But there's just no room for Ilyasova there. Like, Ilyasova might be the best player in that bunch, but with any two of those guys, you can replicate a skill set. Right? Rashawn Holmes offers the rim protection. Um... At about equal value as Airson because Airson just could not jump. He refused to leave the ground, but he never, would stick his long arms never up got in the off air the ground. and did kind of challenge the ball. Meanwhile, Rashawn Holmes will contest the shot on his way down because he'll already been in the air from a pump fake. Uh, so it's pretty equivalent there. And then Jonah Bolden, by all accounts, a fantastic shooter. Mm-hmm. Bialica is another really good shooter. So that kind of gives you that Ilyasova stretch five look if you really want it. I think that they, they had to let him walk. The big loss is Bellinelli, but they also – I'm good with that too because you need to give Fultz room to be the true playmaker on that bench. Maybe have Sarge as the, as the secondary guy. Um, he needs to be the go-to guy on the floor. And with Bellinelli taking the shots that he takes, <laughs> I mean, you can't get in an offensive flow. Uh, we needed him this year. No, not hating Pellinelli at all. That dude was absolutely incredible this yep. year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to picture myself playing with a guy who shoots the shots that he does and not just, like, being confused on the offensive end. I've just seeing a guy run off screens and shoot these absurd contested long twos and just hitting them nonstop. You're just like, all right, I guess I'm standing in the corner. Yeah, I've and literally never seen him make a set shot. Every shot he's ever made, he's been fading. It's amazing. I love him so much. But <laughs> I can see why he had to go. Yeah, I do as well. I'm, I'm happy so far with the offseason. Obviously, we were, we were shooting for LeBron, and Kawhi's still on the table. Um, you know, there'd have to be some moves made. But I think it's good that the Sixers, you know, made it public that Ben Simmons and Bead and Fultz are all off the table for any type of trades. I think that gives a lot of confidence to Fultz. He needs it. He's working with Drew Hanlon, uh, you know, one of the best shooting coaches ever. Um, you know, kind of has worked on a lot of different shots with a lot of different guys in the NBA. I think that, you know, that it's good. They needed to definitely re-sign one of J.J. or Bellinelli. Obviously, J.J.'s probably a little bit more of a fan favorite and a little bit more veteran presence um, than Bellinelli, although it's close and it's really a toss-up. I'm happy they got one of them back. I agree with you with Urson. They definitely had to let him walk. Bolden's, you know, that has a lot of hype coming over from, you know, overseas, and, and you know, hopefully he's going to be able to pan out. 
I like what they did in the draft. Um, you know, I think Zaire Smith is it's going to be a work in progress. He's not going to be able to, to guess, impact as much right now as Bridges will. Then they also took Shamlet, and I think that he'll be a good spot-up shooter. That's all he'll need to do. He didn't. He needed to do more in college. He'll probably just need to knock down some shots now in Philadelphia. So all in all, I, I say that they're doing they're doing good, and and I think um, it's tough because a lot of people forget we still don't have a GM. Like we still have Brett Brown acting as the interim GM, which is still a big deal in my opinion. So they have some things they need to work out. Like I said, Kawhi's not off the table apparently, but who knows? That's such a big question mark, but. I think they put themselves in positions now with LeBron leaving the East to really be, be a toss-up between Boston um, and Philadelphia for who can come out of the East the next four to six years, really. Yep. And we have breaking news on this front. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Clint Capella is leaning towards or close to taking his qualifying offer and becoming an unrestricted free agent next year. Oh, wow. So that is that, breaking news. If that happens, if this is legitimate... Because this is literally like 30 seconds ago I got texted this. Um, that would basically create a possibility for to build an all-new contender next year. If you can acquire a star or two, whether it's Lillard or C.J. McCollum or whatever, mm-hmm. get him to L.A. and sign Capella, man. <laughs> He's the center you need against a team like the Warriors. Yeah, He's he is. Capella more than Harden, more than Chris Paul, is if you had to lose one of them for a series against the Warriors, right? Capella would be the one you cannot lose, right? You, you can lose Chris Paul, and you can replace his production with James Harden. You can, lose, you can do it the other way around a little bit. Obviously, the team gets worse all around. Mm-hmm. But the only crippling blow is losing Capella because he's so, so crucial what that team does. Once again... There's the Chris Paul contract coming back to bite them because instead of having all this free cap space, they're going to be capped out already. Yeah. Uh, I, hate, I hate that contract. I'm going to keep ranting about that contract. No, I do too. So I said it as well. I'm not the biggest Chris Paul fan. I got in probably one of the biggest basketball arguments I've gotten in in a while <laughs> the other day where it was obviously a big Sixers fan, so I'm a little bit of a homer for the question. But just to pose it to you real quick was there's the three guys – um, that have worn number three, and where would you rank them on their all-time career? Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, and Allen Iverson. And I had the order Iverson, Wade, and Paul. I understand if you put Wade one, but there were guys that were saying that Chris Paul was better than Allen Iverson. Uh, it just makes me lose my mind, um, you know. And, and I won't get into it again because I literally was like screaming at different people. It was one of the big arguments for a while, like I said. But yeah, I, I think that the contract's bad. I think Chris Paul is great. He's an all-time great. But, you know, I think that that's also an all-time bad contract. It is. that. I don't know. I, I think Dwayne Wade is the clear number one in that discussion. But then it turns into what you value. And I don't necessarily think you have to win a championship, but you do have to drag your team somewhere that they don't deserve to be. Exactly. And I don't – Chris Paul never – Ever did he just that. made it to the first conference finals. Did. Iverson at least got them in the 0-1 finals and willed them again. And, and you know, I'm going to be totally honest. Being a Sixers fan and watching that Iverson series, that that totally shaped the way I see basketball. Like, there's a reason why I think that way, and it's largely because of that Iverson run. But because you know that is the way I do it, and that's why Chris Paul to me kind of loses so much value to his career because he didn't. Everyone says, oh, he never lost a, a winnable series. Mm-hmm. 
But isn't the biggest part of being a great player winning a series that you're not supposed to win? Yes. Like, you know, like going up and above the Call of Duty, and that, he ne- he's never done that. But I'm legendary at Holyfield. In our in our Slack chat, which is trashing Chris Paul nonstop, so I don't want to I don't want to get stuck in that loop. <laughs> uh, some of the other guys that have uh, signed: Julius Randle signs a two year eighteen million dollar deal so much. with the Pelicans. Randle's going to be such a beast there. Yeah, I agree. I think that was that was tough to watch the Lakers let him go. I think that LeBron really could have helped him because he's a he's a great young talent. Uh, his his skill set overlaps with LeBron's too much. Or, not right now, but what he needs to become overlaps with LeBron too much. He needs to be just a transition bowling ball. Like, he gets the rebound, don't let him pass it to a guard. Just grab the rebound and just sprint toward yeah. the rim. He's one of those and guys that send like shooters out to the corner. And, yeah. you know, if he's about to travel, kick it out. Otherwise, just bowl it. That should be his game plan nonstop. We had Trevor Reza sign a one-year $15 million deal from the Rockets. He moves on to the Phoenix Suns. I don't really love the move for either the Suns or Ariza. They have a lot of guys now that kind of do the same thing. Suns are building a nice young core. I didn't really understand the move fully, but you know maybe the Rockets didn't want to bring him back because obviously, again, Chris Paul did take a lot of the money. The only good move the Suns made this offseason was hiring that coach, and then they kind of screwed that up by not drafting the player the coach has coached his whole career. So I... I'm known to, to not like that front office or the way they've done things the past couple of years, and nothing they've done this offseason has changed that. We have. I, um, go ahead. No, you can go. I was just going to continue trashing the front office. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing important. Uh, we have uh, we have Tyreek Evans, which is another uh, a big guard, you know, is still within the prime of his career, signs a one-year deal with uh, the Pacers. Uh, I like what the Pacers have going on there as well. Um, I think he's going to be a big addition. Didn't know if he was going to sign out in L.A. or even Golden State he was having some conversations with, but ends up going to Indiana and, and, and replacing uh, Stevenson, who obviously signed with the Lakers. So I think that's a, that's a good good sign there for Indiana. Yeah, that, that's a team that understands its place in the league right now. They know that they're not going to become a top-tier contender. There's just no path that they can take in the next two or three years without an unplannable amount of luck that would get them there. So right now, they want to be a fun team, they want to win games, and they want to put themselves in the playoffs. Anything can happen once you're in the playoffs. They just want to do that. They're not trying to be something. They're not making the mistakes the Blazers made a few years ago and thinking, oh, like this is, this is going to be a super team. Let's max all our players, and this is the core we're going to roll with forever and ever. No, they, you know, they have their, their two good guys. They have one intriguing young guy with Sabanis. And they're just they're gonna keep doing these short term deals, you know, like they have with Thad Young, like they have with Tyreek Evans now, like they had with Monte Ellis. They're just gonna keep doing this, keep getting supporting guys, develop those young stars, and then eventually when those guys are in their primes, that's when you start chasing the other superstars. They're not trying to do it too quickly. And I think that I really like what the Pacers front office has done these past couple of years. Yeah, I agree completely. They've, they've really uh, made a, a trade that a lot of people, uh, you know, thought that they were going to, you know, have made a huge mistake. They've turned it into, like you said, a, a, a very solid team, a playoff team, a team that can, you know, make a run even in the playoffs and, and even, you know, maybe fight for a conference finals. But they know they're not a championship caliber team and they're just doing what they can to, to kind of build the, the chemistry there in Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it is really strong. I think overall... 
that is a lot of the major signings. Obviously, there's been some other smaller signings, but there are still some big names out there that have not been signed, and that's kind of what I wanted to move on to now. You did just break the news a little bit, possibly, with the Clint Capella, but he's obviously the number one guy left on the big board. Um, outside of that, we still have Marcus Smart, who's a very young, defensive, grit, you know, great type of emotional player that you would like to have on your team. He's a restricted free agent still. Isaiah Thomas, big toss-up, obviously. Who the hell knows what's going to go on with him? He's an unrestricted free agent. Doubt he's going to be going back to L.A. Jabari is still a restricted free agent. He's obviously had some huge injury issues. They're taking a flyer on him if you take him. But he was in there to be you know, one of the best you know, players in that young draft class. Zach Levine, again, another young guy that had some injuries who's still who is a free agent as well. Um, and trying to just some of the other guys here, Rodney Hood, who was a solid starter in Utah and then kind of fell apart in Cleveland. He's on um, on the big board. So still some big names out there. What do you have left? You know, any moves that you you would like to see happen? You know, teams you would like to see teams make some moves for? Well, I think the Magic are going to end up with Isaiah Thomas. I think there's been interest both ways there. Okay. Um, I can't see it being a big contract or a multi-year contract, but I think uh, I think that makes sense both ways. Given what the Magic have been doing, I really, again, like the Suns, I don't really like the way that they, they've done things. They have a new front office, though, um, and I think I think an IT signing is is solid. It's really just kind of delaying things by a year. They, they really need to figure out what they have in Aaron Gordon and what they have in Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac, and neither is going to be a primary scoring option on a decent team in the next two, three years. So... Even if he's not making a lot of the shots, I think it's a good idea to have a guy who's going to put up 15, 16, 17 shots and take some of the stress off of these guys whose ceiling is probably as a secondary or tertiary guy. Mm -hmm. And that's why why back a couple years ago, I wanted the Sixers to get a guy like like Lance Stevenson or um, Deion Waiters or any of the guys they were rumored to, to be talking to, not because they were going to be future stars for the team, but because we had these guys like Robert Covington and Dario Saric who weren't going to be primary scorers in any stretch of the term, but needed to learn how to be complementary players. Because one of the, the traps that Carter Williams fell into was that he they forced him into a scorer that he was never supposed to become. And he started taking these shots and missing them and missing them and turning the ball over and missing them. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it became a loop that he couldn't get out of. And he's still stuck in it today. Yep. And Orlando doesn't want to see that happen to their guys, which is why I think that IT move makes sense. Yeah, uh, Rodney Hood, mm-hmm. I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know. I, I think Charlotte would make sense, but I don't think they have the money. Uh uh, you have any ideas? It's such a, I like him. It's so strange to me that, you know, obviously, like I said, a 16-point scorer in Utah, a starter in Utah, for a good Utah team, gets traded to Cleveland for whatever reason. You know, there are some you know rumors out there that it could be tough to play with LeBron, a lot of pressure. He clearly didn't handle it right, didn't want to come off the bench in, in shit time at the end of games. But then they put him in the finals, and when they were trying to switch something up, and he made something happen. You know, obviously didn't change the the atmosphere or the aspect of of the result, but you know he's still a very solid player. I think I, I really don't know where you know he would he could go. I think he could fit in, you know, with a lot of a lot of different teams. I mean, he's a wing shooter. He he's not horrible on defense. He can clearly shows you he can get to the cup and get to the rack. He knows how to score. 
if you can utilize him as a 6th, 7th man off the bench that can get you 12, 14, 16 points a game, I think that that could be beneficiary to a lot of teams. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a team that is kind of in that middle ground that could utilize a scoring bump um, and, and, you know, has a shot to make the playoffs and is a, is a solid team all around that he can go to. I, I just I don't know what team that is. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard any whispers or anything like that. I mean, he is a restricted free agent. I mean, Cleveland could want him back because they they don't have anybody now to score the ball. But I mean, you know. they have Kevin Love, Mister Twenty Six Points a Game, only a few years ago. I think they'll be fine on the scoring front. Well, I mean, Kevin Love can't do it all. I mean, we'll have to see. Hopefully, he can. I love Kevin Love, and I I hope that he can turn back into the player he was in Minnesota. But I mean, he could use some help. So I mean, I don't <laughs> see why they maybe wouldn't just re-sign him. Yeah, they probably should. I think Milwaukee would be his best possible destination, but I don't know if the money works there. Maybe Chicago? Yeah, maybe Chicago. I mean, especially if Chicago's going to lose Levine, like I mentioned. Um, yeah, I think going through my, my board here, I think that's a lot of the guys and, you know, kind of talking about who made the big moves. Obviously, Kawhi's a huge question mark. He's the one superstar. He's not a free agent, but... Still think the same. I still think he's not leaving San Antonio. He clearly wants out, but uh, San Antonio is not going to just give it up. And I don't think a lot of teams, it doesn't make sense for a lot of teams to gamble on giving up a lot of draft picks or a lot of good young players if he's not going to re-sign. I I don't really want the Sixers to make the mistake of trading away Dario and a first-round pick for him to play one year and then sign in L.A. anyway. So I actually agree with you. I think that because teams aren't going to give up a whole lot because they don't want to take the risk on him, Plus the fact that San Antonio has clearly shown they're not just going to take anything for him. I think that he's going to be forced to stay in San Antonio um, for at least one more year. I think he's going to be won over by the team. I like <clears throat> Since the beginning, I didn't buy much of what was coming out of that whole situation during the season because I personally had a, I had a worse version of what Kawhi had um, in that I just tore some of the tendons and ligaments that are supporting the kneecap and the knee. And he had issues with that quad tendon, which is the biggest one that's attached. Mm -hmm. And kneecap instability, I was cleared to do, you know, full contact or full sports training and stuff about four months after my injury. And I couldn't even jog yet. And I was medically cleared by a, a very good physical therapy staff. There, you can be medically okay but you could still have a long road ahead of you before you're doing anything like playing professional basketball on an NBA floor. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was the source of the tension because, you know, training staff saying, yeah, you should play. So Pop is like, yeah, you should play. The roster all wants him to play. He knows he's not ready. But I think that that can be overcome. And the fact that we haven't heard anything from Kawhi himself, I'm just getting like – echoes of the DeAndre Jordan situation a little bit, but obviously much more extreme. I just, it's not even that real. It's more, I just can't see how the Spurs, like I can't see anything playing out where the Spurs are trading him. I don't see them taking nothing for him. I don't see teams giving up a Hail Mary for him. Mm -hmm. And a year is a long time. I think he can be one back over. The team comes out and, wins 20 of their first 30 games and Kawhi is playing somewhat well, anything can happen. Success erases a lot of bad memories. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I think we agree on the front that, you know, he's not going to be going anywhere in this offseason. Um, and, and I think 
obviously, yeah, success can can help a lot of things. And, and will the Spurs have success? I don't know. I mean, they're they're a great coach team. They still have some guys that that are, are very solid and, and can help them win games. But they're in the Western Conference, and I just I believe that he wants to be in LA. I believe that he wants that lifestyle, and I think he's moved on from San Antonio. But I guess we will have to see, you know, wait and see, and, and hope to just get him back to being the MVP type player, top two two way player in the league that he was, and. And that he can be, and, and that's all that we can hope for as basketball fans. Um, yeah. I think I think that's everything here on the fadeaway, Jeff. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about at all? I mean, we really do appreciate having you on. Your insight was fantastic. You know, we agree on some things, disagree on others, but overall, I think we can agree on the one thing that NBA is going to be fun to watch, and, and you know, we can't wait for it to come back. And to trust the process at all times. Trust now, I. Uh, <laughs> It was fun coming on here. I have my own podcast called No Backboard over at Holyfield. It'll be kicking off again soon. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, feel free. Otherwise, yeah, I think I think we touched on everything. I think we covered everything. Uh, it was a fun it was a fun pod. Awesome, Jeff. I appreciate it. That was Jeff Weissman. Like I said, he's a lead writer over at Holyfield. Appreciate you coming on the fadeaway, and we hope to have you again soon. Yeah, I hope to be back soon. Have All a good right, all right, that was Jeff Wiseman. Thank you so much for coming on the fadeaway. Uh, again, we are now on a little bit of a schedule here. We're going to be recording every Thursday night, releasing every Friday morning. I hope you guys are enjoying the new rebranded podcast, The Fadeaway. Of course, this is brought to you by Basketball Society. Follow us on at B-Ball Society. Follow The Fadeaway at Podcast Fadeaway um, on Twitter. And, you know, kind of like I said, if you want to get involved like Jeff, like um, anybody really that's going to be coming on in the next couple weeks, please let me know. We'll be back again next week. I have another guest, Brandon Carfania, joining me on the show. Um, we look forward to that. Until then, you know, we're going to continue to follow along with these free agency, um, you know, kind of crazy stories and, and woes bombs and all that. Um, so, again, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Ryan Kalpin, and this was The Fadeaway.